It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. What do we got? <clears throat> the Sport Hole. Sports, 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 sports. Two-minute drill presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paints. To the five, to the two, diving, touchdown! All right, let's do it. We got uh, Sambo reading the questions again, right, Larry? Yes. Intern Sam, fire when ready, man. My brother, what do you got? What would you do to get high school football coaches more deserving compensation? Ooh, this is a good question. This is a question for the for Capitol Hill, Sam. Well, it's uh, about this time every year at the end of the playoffs, you start seeing coaches resigning from their positions in high school football. Skyview's coach apparently is done. Um, Clearfield, let's see. There's a few others that have come across, Manti's coach and others. Now, some of them might be leaving for other jobs, but some of them, and we've seen this down here in southern Utah where they just say, look, I I can't, I love the coach, I love the kids, it's just too much. The other stuff I have to do is too much. All the administrative stuff, overlooking 150 kids in my program, parents, fundraisers, emails, all of this stuff that I have to deal with. I can't do it. I can't, especially because I'm working another job. I'm getting paid nothing to do the, the coaching job. I'm either coach, I'm either a teacher at the school or I have another full-time job outside of the school. And then I do the coaching on top of it. So it is, it's an age-old question, Larry. And when you consider the high school football coach, this is usually somebody who loves the sport and the kids and is, would probably be willing to do it for free. And we know that they're probably willing to do it for free because that's basically what they're doing now. I don't know how much money these guys make, but it's, you know, it's pennies on the hour for the time that they put in with all the stuff that they do. And so they, the, the, the pay is going to take advantage of that. It's going to take advantage of the fact that this, this guy who does all of this work, not just in season, year round, time away from their families, summer camp, right? Weights, keeping kids their grades up, making sure that they don't go ineligible, all of that vigilance and monitoring that they have to do. And it's not like a college program where they support the coach with a bunch of staff because they have budget for it. So they've got somebody who's making sure the kids are going to class. They've got somebody taking care of the travel. they got somebody else doing this. Um, the football coach is in charge of, you know, that's the, that's the guy. Now, they might have... They might have people helping them out and supporting and answering emails and stuff, but the parents want to talk to the head man. They want to talk to the head coach. And so they've got to deal with parents, and that's probably the worst part of it in a lot of the programs. So if you look at Texas as the kind of paragon of what high school football should be, Larry, and there's downsides to how Texas does it, and I know that they've kind of made high school football in certain parts of Texas more like college football and there's people that don't like that. So there's got to be a happy medium. But this is from this just this was an article that just came out like 2 days ago. And it's talking about Texas paying their high school football coaches Texas and Georgia who have the highest paid high school football coaches in the country. In 2018, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram Star created a database that compiled the salaries of head coaches for the largest classifications in Texas 
in 5A and 6A, where the top coach at the time, Hank Carter of Austin Lake Travis, topped out at, at over $155,000, Larry, to be a high school coach. All but four head coaches from Texas's top classifications made at least $70,000 per year at the time. And these are guys that are just the coach. They're not teaching. Their job is to be a high school football coach. And that's how they're getting, you know, that's how they're getting their salary. Thanks to an open books request uh, by the the Chronicle, we now have this is the Houston Chronicle. We have current insight into how much coaches in the Houston era area are bringing home. The report shares that the top 25 highest paid coaches in the Houston area all make more than $125,000. It's important to note that the vast majority of these guys also serve as athletic director for their school as well. Okay. Good point. So they might not be teaching, but they're they're an administrator, athletic director as well for the program that they preside over. Carl Absec makes $179,000 leading the Barber's Hill program. That's 25k more than the number 2 on the list. And if we went through Georgia coaches, it would be the same. So it's insane to, you know, expect Utah to get to those numbers for a, a head football coach, but I think that there's got to be some there's got to be something done because they will do it for free basically for for a time. But a lot of coaches who would love to be a high school football coach until they retire in their 70s or whatever, they just say, look, I've got to move on. I've got to go, you know, focus 100% on my on my main job or I've got to go coach college or whatever. And so high school football is, you know, loses a lot of a, a great coaches who would be very happy to stay if they could. And they just aren't getting anything. Now, now this this argument goes to teachers in general in the state and Utah you know, the, the press is always talking about how how Utah pays their teachers some of the worst rates in the country, which is true and a, a problem as well. But to answer your your question, Sam, it's it's ridiculous. And I would say, look, this is the guy, the head football coach, head basketball coach, head baseball coach. But football, football is the world we live in. This is a guy who is basically the face of our whole school. The stuff I talk about in college all the time, Larry. But that's the same case in, in high school. He's, he's probably the most known guy from your school. Um, is over so many kids and responsibilities on all the things I was talking about before. It would be worth it to me to say, look, the school and the district can't, can't pay a, you know, a, a high school coach just to be a high school coach. But we need to fundraise for the coaching staff. We fundraise for a bunch of other stuff. We should fundraise privately. If you've got a kid on the team or you got a kid in the program or whatever, we're starting a fund so we can pay who we consider one of the most valuable people in our kids' lives to get quality people who will stay in those positions. We should fundraise not just for the head coach but for other members of his staff to show, to at least show, you're never get, probably going to raise enough to justify the time that it, that they put in, but at least show that we respect what they're doing and what they do, and all the time that they give up to not only coach the team but help mold your young man into being somebody good when he's you know graduates. So it's a great point, Sam and Larry. It's a great question. I, I don't know how to solve it, but there's got to be a way to raise independent funds 
to get, you know, coaches. Because it's a joke how it is now. Not just in Utah, but a lot of places around the country. Most places around the country. Unless you're lucky enough to, to be from Texas. Anything else on that one, Larry? <clears throat> no. All right. Great job. Great job, Sam. Excellent question. All right. Let's go to our next topic here in the sport hole. Brought to you by our good friends at Ideal Home and auto paint. Fire away, Larry. The sport hall. Butch, 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 butch. Nice job to grab that rebound. Quick hands by Utah. Forcing the turnover, JC. Quick. Stop for three. Oh, baby, that's a pure three-pointer. Pure. Mm-hmm. All right, sporty. How about those Jazz, baby? Big win for the Jazz. I think I won the Jazz duel with Rustin again, uh, Lawrence. You, Jazz defense held the Trailblazers well under 110 and a half. Jordan Clarkson went off. He's been playing great. Keontae George has been a great facilitator in the backcourt to help get uh, Clarkson a bunch of open shots. Uh, Blazers are no good. But I, you know, as I was watching the game last night and the other game that I was watching, uh, the Golden State game, the the in-season tournament's working like a charm, Larry. Going into it, I was saying what the league is banking on is that the players are idiots and fall for this fiasco that the in-season tournament means more than the regular season. Well, they have. It does. Their natural instincts to compete harder in these in-season tournament games have worked. Going back to the first night where the average margin of, of victory was like four points, and it was a record. It had been since like 2016 where seven games were played and the average margin of victory was less than five points. You had to go back seven years. So the in-season tournament is succeeding. It's gone gangbusters, Larry. People care about this tournament. They're fighting. They're scrapping. Now, there were some blowouts last night. There were three, four, maybe even five games last night that were like 15 to 20 point of blowouts, but there were also five that were, you know, within seven points or something like that. So that's a big win for Adam Silver. Way to go. We like that. We like it. You paint the floor and you, you know, make it a tournament setting. Anybody's going to try harder. So it's, it's working for the, uh, for the NBA. I wanted to talk a little bit about Draymond's crap. The fact that Steve Kerr Now, Steve Kerr, I don't know if we can expect him, Larry, to come out and say Draymond was wrong. That was a clown move, what he did to Gobert with the headlock. Because it's his his player. So, I don't know that I'm necessarily saying, hey, Kerr, you got to come out and condemn your guy. Because he's never going to do that. I don't know many coaches that would. But you can't come out with some BS excuse for him either. Like, oh, Rudy was really going after Clay, so Draymond, you know, he was just a... No, he wasn't. Draymond's a clown. It was a cheap shot from behind, complete overreaction to Gobert, who's trying to break up the dang fight, Larry. And so Draymond is a putz and a punk, and it goes to the shower thought where he gets to live... In this safe space in the NBA. When's the last good NBA fight you saw, Larry? Charles and Shaq? Kermit Washington laying out Rudy Tomjanovich back in the 70s? It's been a while. So Draymond gets to exist within this environment that is so soft and there's posturing and there's hold me back and there's pushing. 
nobody's ever going to punch somebody in the in the face and get a clean, good punch thrown. And so Draymond gets to be super tough guy and push people and cheap shot people, and he gets away with it because the NBA isn't a sport that punishes that type of behavior. You can't do that in hockey. There's hockey goons, but they're in a fight. They got to fight. And if you go after their star player, they're going to fight you. If you're cheap shotting people, there's going to be a fight. The, the, the refs might break it up, but the next puck drop, you're going to drop the gloves. Everybody's going to back away, and you're going to get a jersey pulled over your head and pummeled, Larry. So hockey takes care of that crap. That's why there's not a lot of, I would say, cheap shot punk artists in hockey. There are goons, and there's people that instigate, but they're not... They're not the punk cheap shot guys that Draymond is. Baseball, same thing. You can be a punk in baseball. You're going to get plunked in the small of your back, and then there's going to be a benches-clearing brawl to take care of you. And if they don't take care of it that game, they're going to remember and do it two weeks from now, right? Or in the seventh inning. They're not going to forget. There's a list of guys that need to be taken care of in Major League Baseball, and it happens. Football, you know, that happens every down in football. That's why football players are, aren't are doing the type of cheap crap that, that Draymond does. Draymond gets to do it and act tough because of the sport he plays in and the league he plays in, which is, which is soft. So what I'll say nice about Draymond is I like that. I like that he's kind of a throwback. I like that he'll call people out, and he's kind of a professional wrestler type guy. He's not best buddies with everybody um, and hugging people after the game, which is the big criticism of this generation of the NBA, the AAU era of the NBA, where everybody's buddy-buddy, and we love each other and all this stuff. He's not like that. He's like that with some people, but I do like that part of it. I wish more people in the league were more worried about being a compelling player and have compelling rivalries and compelling with the press and saying what they really felt, but too many of them have shoe contracts or contracts with Gatorade. They've got to be likable and marketable so State Farm can pay them to be in their commercials. Um, Draymond is is one of one really in the NBA right now, right? Now that Ennis Cantor's gone, Larry. <laughs> and who else is a punk? There's a lot of punks, but Draymond is the is number one. And this cheap shot stuff, it drives me crazy when I see when I see what he did to poor Rudy. And and he, I mean, he he holds it. I mean, he's on Rudy's neck, dragging him down. Nobody does anything. Carl Anthony Towns at the very end kind of wraps up Draymond to try to stop him. But everybody's just stunned looking at Draymond. Like, and Kerr's coming in saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody's doing anything to Draymond. They're allowing him to take this seven-footer by the neck like a giraffe and drag him for 15 seconds down 50 feet of court, Larry. That was a bad sight. I hope Draymond gets gets, uh, hammered for that. We'll see uh, how long he's suspended, Larry. Do you have anything else on that? No. Eric, like hockey players... Eric Lindros back in the day was a tough guy. Tom Wilson is kind of the guy in this era. Golden Knights fans are very familiar with his crap, but he's taken care of. He's got to he's got to he's got to square up with somebody and have punches flying at him. Draymond doesn't have to deal with anything. All right, Larry, great job. Next topic. What do we got?
I heard Andy Reid is coming to BYU next year. I heard it from a friend's wife's boss, essential oil representative, who has a friend who works with Tom Homo's Grubhub delivery boy, who said he read it on... <laughs> the, the Cougar Board. All right, we've got uh, Carphone Carmine, who is kind of the embodiment, Larry, of the Cougar Board. He's kind of the personification of all the elements of the Cougar Board and the frustrations and the anger... Carmine is our kind of representative of that. And we've got his voicemail that we didn't get to on Monday, and we have time today. So this is Carphone Carmine talking about BYU's tough loss against Iowa State last Saturday. Go ahead with uh, Carmine, Larry. Boy, I am fired up once again on a Monday, my friend. What an absolute embarrassment of a performance. They show up in their silly black uniforms with their blue highlights looking like schmucks. Spitting once again on the traditional brand that built this program, the Royal Blue. They should wear that every game, especially at home. You have a full blackout crowd who's wanting to get the heck out of there by the, after the first two plays of the game sported. We're running an end around with our dumbest, fumbling, slowest fullback. In the red zone, I'm starting to, what is Roderick thinking? Hello? Send that guy a snow college. Maybe he can rehabilitate his his uh, reputation at the JC level. He's not ready for the Big 12. Are you kidding me? That's what sucked. He's not, he's not ready for the Power 5 level. Go back and play Cerritos Junior College. You're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. The least you can do is know your progressions. Is there about serious changes made, Sporty? I mean, these guys come out to promo on a, Saturday, a late game Saturday night in November, and they don't understand that they're real grass crappy turf. Is going to be slippery? They don't get to put steps in their cleats. They're wearing their soft soccer cleats to look cool or something because they're slipping and sliding like the Detroit Red, Red Wings out there, and we look like a joke. Greg Yormark has got to be looking at us saying, hey, I should have gotten South Florida. I should have gotten Coastal Carolina. I should have gotten somebody else than this band of schmucks who can't even compete at this level. So great. The crowd gives our the, the visiting crowd brownies and ice cream. How sweet. But they suck at football. Sporty, I know. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Carmine. We'll try to get Carmine on every Monday or so. We weren't able to get out to San Juan High School up in Blanding. Larry, where were you on Tuesday? You weren't able to go up? Yes. No. Oh, you weren't able to go up? No. Okay. That's all right. You've made it every every week this season except this week. And I doubt doubt Coach Satake would want to talk to you anyway. So maybe maybe next week. Now they've got Oklahoma this week. 24 points. What is it? 24, 25 last time I checked. We'll get our Skeeter beaters for you either tomorrow or Friday, right? Next topic. What do we got, Larry? I think we can relate this back to education and how we are continuing to try to strive to... 
driving. <laughs> Thank you, Utah. Thank you, sweetheart. Genius or Jabroni <sighs> in the sport hole. Genius or Jabroni is brought to you by Tink Superior Auto Parts, your hometown Napa. Check out Tink's Superior Auto Parts in St. George and Cedar City. Go ahead, Genius or Jabroni. Who do we got today, Larry? Fire away. Those are really nice choices, but the Heisman <laughs> Trophy, it's a wrap. It is really? Jaden Daniels, first player in college football history to throw for 350 and run for 200-plus. Three touchdowns through the air, two uh, on the ground. The kid is a human highlight machine and leading that team by himself. All right, that was from CBS Sports. Jaden Daniels, who is uh, having an incredible statistical year for LSU. I don't care about the Heisman, Larry. I, I, I remember when I was a kid, I cared about the Heisman because there was some more dynamic choices when it came to positions. It's all court. Nobody has a chance. I know Devontae Smith won it a couple years ago with Alabama as a receiver, but he's one of like four receivers ever to win the Heisman, right? Uh, Desmond, Tim Brown. Who else? What other receivers won? Nobody recently, right? That I can think of. And so now it's just the core. Whatever quarterback is. I miss the days of when uh, college football and pro football had more dynamic, respected the position of the running back. I make fun of the running back in the NFL. You should never pay these guys. But that is a... That's a result of the league and how they play offense, and that's now the same with with college football, where the days of having a Christian McCaffrey type of player, a Marshall Falk type of player, I'm trying to think of great college running backs going back. I mean, the last running back to win the Heisman was, I think, Derrick Henry in 2015. Since then, it's been quarterbacks. Um... Reggie Bush in 05. What other running backs have won this year? Think of Reggie Bush and how exciting he was in space, getting 20-plus carries a game, getting nine catches a game. That was awesome. I love that type of running back character that doesn't really exist in college football anymore. This Ollie Gordon guy from, from Oklahoma State is awesome, and he's been on a tear. And he the first four games, he wasn't doing a lot. But now he's rushing for about 200 yards every game. We'll see what he does against BYU in a couple of weeks. But I can't name the next few. I know the kid from, from Texas is great. The Brooks kid from Texas. I mean, BYU's faced a lot of these good running backs this year in the Big 12. But back, back when Ricky Williams was running around, all the most popular guys in college football were running backs, right? Ron Dane, those types of guys, they don't exist anymore. And it's sad. And it's because the offenses have gone completely away from a featured kind of bell cow back. And just it's more about the system and the zone read and throwing it out horizontally and stuff and getting your run game through the slot receiver instead of the running back. And so I, I just miss that the Heisman was more about, you know, you had a couple quarterbacks, you had a couple running backs. I'm all for, by the way, having defensive players be represented. Sue should have won the Heisman back in 2000, whatever it was, when he was the best player in college football, 2013 or whatever it was. The Heisman needs to have a, a more of a breadth. What's the word, Larry? Just more diversity in candidates. We always know there's going to be a few quarterbacks who are going to throw for 
4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns and three interceptions. That happens every year. The Heisman is about spotlighting the best overall football player, not the best pro prospect, not the best statistical guy, just the most dominant player in college football. And every once in a while, it should be a D lineman. It should be a linebacker. It could be a guy in the secondary who gets enough targets his way to prove himself. I understand 90% of the time it's going to be a offensive player, but let's, let's do it. I mean, let's, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to probably go to New York primarily because of his name, and he's great, and he's a pro prospect. I don't know that it's necessarily that he's had a top five year in college football. Maybe he has. But I like seeing him go. I would like to see a running back go. That's all I'm saying, Larry. That being said, of the ones who are up for it, I'd still probably want Penix to win or Bo Nix, whoever wins that game in the Pac-12 title. I'd like to see a Pac-12 guy win. Although, screw them. Screw both of them because they're both going to the Big Ten, so who cares? Give it to Ollie Gordon. He's staying in the Big 12. you agree with me on that, Larry? Yes. Anything else on that one? No. All right. Next topic. What do we got? Well, I don't read the newspaper. Book of the week. Ooh, book of the week. We haven't done one of these in a long time because I haven't read a book in a long time, Larry. Instead, we're going to spotlight a feature article in Sports Illustrated. And I'm just going to play it. This is going to kind of function like a who dis. It's not a who dis. We should have done a who dis with this, Larry. But this is a feature article about... Uh, Ah, what's the guy's name? The guy who wrote it. We'll look that up, Larry. Go ahead with the uh, with the audio from the uh, article here. I love this. Go ahead. In 1982, the NFL was changing. Although most scribes who covered professional football were years away from recognizing what a young sports writer already saw. This author, big and beefy and already sporting a glorious red mustache, hailed from Los Angeles, and moonlighted as a backup offensive tackle on the BYU football team. He wrote the following sentence as part of a series of freelance articles for the Provo Daily Herald. The name of the NFL game is Pass. The kid who wrote that sentence stood 6'3", weighed around 230 pounds, accumulated zero college statistics, and played only in spring games through three seasons. He majored in physical education, he counted Jim McMahon among his teammates. This kid, with his notepad and his shoulder pads, his mustache and his pen stash, still wasn't sure what career he wanted. Professional athletes seemed improbable. He found teachers and their profession inspiring. Mm. His father, Walter, was creative, a designer of movie sets. His mother, Elizabeth, analytical, a doctor with caring embedded in her soul. And he thought, way back then, that writing for Sports Illustrated might be pretty cool. Very good, Larry. That's a feature article. The uh, author's name is Greg Bishop for Sports Illustrated, and they are talking about the great Andy Reid. Fantastic. Love Andy Reid. Love that he's a thoughtful guy. Love that he's a writer. He likes history, and he's a well-rounded person. And I did not know that he was a columnist for the... Provo Daily Herald or whatever they said. 
So go check that out. Sports Illustrated. Andy Reid's adventure moonlighting as a college sports writer. Kind of cool insight into Coach Reid's past there. All right, Lawrence, please. Next topic. Do you likey? All right. Sambo, what do you got? Who is you Heisman this year, sport hole? Mm-hmm. What's the next one? Do you like this Missouri running back not being about records? I do likey. This is Cody Schrader at Missouri. They're doing an SEC feature thing. Saw this on uh, social media, I think, Larry. Kid's got 321 yards. There's still time in the game. They're just putting it on Hypo in Tennessee in a very embarrassing fashion. And the coach, the, the OC up top says, hey, Cody, the running back, is 20 yards away from a school record. He's ran for 200 and some. He's caught 100 and some. He needs 20 more yards. And uh, here's the audio of that, Larry. When you're ready. FYI, Cody's 20 yards shy of a school record for all purpose. If we get hey, Curb. We want to get uh, Cody 20 more yards. Okay, get 20 more yards. It's all purpose, so it doesn't matter if it's run or pass. You can't go? We didn't build this team off chasing records, you know, so. Don't get it, man. Very cool. Now, I think it's. So the, so he's going to the player saying, hey, you got 20 more yards. We're going to get you the ball. Go get it. And the player says, we didn't build this program on chasing records. And it might sound canned or like it was uh, planned or whatever because the coach is on a mic. I don't think it was. My read watching it was he's, it was a sincere response from the kid. And so, yes, Larry, I like you. That's the kind of player you want, Lawrence. He says, I don't care about some record. We just beat Tennessee by a bunch of 30-something points, Lawrence. That's Cody Schrader. Very cool. All right, we got to wrap up. We've got a quarterback you next, talking about Green Canyon's quarterback and offense. Green Canyon taking on Crimson Cliffs for the state championship this Friday at 11 a.m. Last one, Lawrence. What do we got? Sporthole Restaurant Review. Sport Hole Restaurant Review brought to you by our good friends at the Matt Hickman team at Academy Mortgage. Check out the Matt Hickman team, top 1% mortgage originator in the country and a proud sponsor of Region 9 Athletics and the Region Rush. Lawrence, what do we got today? Oh, we've got Blaze Pizza. Okay, this one gets a little negative, Larry. I hate to do it. Love Blaze. Love Blaze. I go Rigatti's one, and then I'm looking to fire something up and get home. Blaze. I walk in. They fire me up a uh, pizza, and I I go home, and their cheesy bread is my favorite thing. It's phenomenal. It's piping hot. I finish it on my way home, and then I just walk in with a pizza. My wife says, I thought thought you were going to get cheesy bread. I said, ah, I forgot. But this time, Larry, I've noticed the plague of this generation of the world we live in now, as we all know, is the iPad tipping thing. You're buying something. You don't have a waiter. You're just buying something at the register. They flip the iPad at you. So I do my patented move, which I've talked about on uh, in the sport hall, I believe, where you use your, your pointer finger to point up like you're going to pick one of the, the highest tip amounts, right? 25%. Yeah, I'm going to give you 25% 
for just doing your job? Why doesn't Blaze just give you 25% more? No, they want me to do that. They want me to be their boss. So I go with the index finger top left, like I'm going to push the 25% button. And then last second, so they can't see it, I stick out the pinky finger and boom, hit the no tip option. (laughs) The problem is, I think they see that. And I think they they recognize, oh, this SOB just no-tipped us after we put in all this work to fire him up a nice pizza. And so I get this cheesy bread that is normally piping hot and all this cheese on it. And I get into the truck to tear into it. And it's it's stale. It's it's like it's a day old in there, Larry. And I don't know if, if they pulled from a from an order that somebody didn't pick up and they wanted to spite me because of the no tip or something like that. So, Blaze Pizza, nine times out of ten, it's it's one of my favorite places to go for a quick pizza. So I don't want to hammer these people. I love Blaze. But you gotta be careful. It's not just Blaze. You gotta be careful, Larry. That's my message to you and to Sambo today. You gotta be careful if you're gonna no tip. You, you think you can get away with it? You can't. They'll hammer you for that. They'll make you pay in some way you might not even know. And that's what happened to me. I think that's what happened to me. So I'm tipping from now on. I'll do the custom whatever, 50 cents if I have to, just to give them something so I'm not on their, you know, crap list. Quick break. Back with QBU right after this. Thanks for being with us.